Hi, my name is Andrea Jansen, and I am on a mission to help people be ambitious at work every single day. That means you're fulfilled, you're productive, and you're contributing to your company. I'm a certified executive coach that has an MBA, a diversity consultant, a Forbes contributor, a business leader, a wife, and a mother of three. This podcast is about tackling hard topics like the gender gap in the workplace. It's about asking the questions that everybody's thinking about but doesn't want to say out loud. Each episode is like the sweet spot between motivation and tactical strategies to get you ahead. We get out of our comfort zones and we take action. This is where we learn, grow, and create opportunities. Welcome to the Ambition Theory Podcast. Dr. Mindy Howard knew that she wanted to be an astronaut when she was a little girl, but the path is never a straight line. In this episode, Dr. Mindy Howard and I talk about how an opportunity at the age of 45 allowed her to pursue her childhood dream. When most people were coasting along in their careers, she took the opportunity to become a commercial astronaut. The interesting thing about this story is that this type of astronaut didn't even exist when she was a little girl. This is the story of resilience and not giving up on your dreams. Mindy also shares strategies that we can use to train our minds like an astronaut and use these techniques to achieve our goals here on Earth. This episode was recorded live as part of our International Women's Day series called Rising to the Challenge, taking on the social norms and stereotypes that impede careers and business. After listening to this conversation, you'll be able to look at your goals with a fresh perspective and feel inspired to keep pursuing them. Before we dive in, I want to tell you about the Ambition Theory community, which is our brand new monthly membership program that supports leaders all over the world to advance their leadership capacity. It includes professional coaching and access to thought leaders like Mindy Howard, who you're going to hear in this episode. The best part is that you'll be surrounded by people who are trying to achieve the same level of success that you are because you can't solve your company's toughest problems on your own. To join the community, go to ambitiontheory.ca. I am honored that we have Dr. Mindy Howard with us today. Mindy Howard is a commercial astronaut and she's going to talk to us about how she made this dream happen. And there's something really cool about Mindy in that Mindy wanted to be an astronaut when she was a little girl and she never gave up on that dream. And today we're going to kind of unpack and reverse engineer how she made it happen. So Mindy, welcome to our community. Welcome to the Ambition Theory Podcast. Can you introduce yourself and tell us what you're all about? Wow. Okay. Um, I was born in New York, so I have a little bit of New Yorker in me still, um, even though I um, have lived over in Europe for the last 30 years. Um, But I have had this dream of becoming an astronaut for a very long time. Um, It wasn't always you know, where I am now, I've I had a corporate life beforehand, uh, where I was 23 years in corporate life. And I'll, I'll tell you a little bit more of the story in more detail if you want. But now I'm living uh, in the Netherlands, I have a Dutch husband, I also am Dutch. And uh, yeah, and I, I love to, I'm a, I'm a drummer in a funk and soul band. And I have a lot of different um, hobbies, but that's not what you asked. <laughs> but that's okay, a bit who, who I am. I love it. It's very complicated. And we're going to actually unpack this story in this conversation that we're going to have today, because this is all really fascinating information, Mindy. Um, so can you actually take me back to the time when you knew that you wanted to become an astronaut? 
Okay. Um, it sounds a little bit, it's a romantic story, not the kind of romance that you would think would be like, um, looking at the lunar landing and being inspired by, uh, by the lunar landing and saying, I want to be an astronaut. No, I'm a child of the seventies and I watched a lot of TV in my day. And I used to be in love with the $6 million man. Yes, he was bionic. Steve Austin, you know, the story. And I just, you know, for, for me, uh, Lee Majors um, uh, was was the best. And I, I pictured him and myself hand in hand flying through space. And that dream never actually went away. And uh, as I got older, I started to find out, well, how does one become an astronaut? And I was told that you could either be a pilot or uh, an engineer slash scientist. And I tried being a pilot. And I was uh, an inch too short. Uh, and, and then I got my uh, bachelor's and master's in engineering in the States. Um, and I was told I needed a PhD or else I wouldn't have a chance. So I thought, okay, where can I get a PhD quick and dirty? Um, because in the States it could take up to 10 years. So I thought, okay, let's find another way to do this. And then I heard in the Netherlands that um, it was only for only four years. And I thought, okay, let's move to the Netherlands. I got accepted into the technical university of Eindhoven um, and as soon as I got my degree, I applied for NASA and paper in hand. And I got actually pr pretty close. I got on the, their short list called the highly qualified list of astronaut candidates, which is from the thousands down to the last 200. But then at that point, it was a lottery that I needed to win in order to go further for medical testing. And I didn't win the lottery. So it was a little bit of a wah, wah. Um, at that point. And then I remember thinking, what else can I do to increase my chances to become an astronaut? Maybe if I became Dutch, um, I could apply to the European Space Administration. And actually, that's what I did. A year later, I became Dutch, I applied to the European Space Administration. Um, and wah, wah, another miss again, um, because they were not accepting astronaut applications at that time. So yeah, it was a little bit, uh, I had to, um, you know, feed my cat and, and uh, ended up thinking like, okay, now it's time to get an earthly job, unfortunately, and then went into corporate life. So, so. tell me about your corporate experience, Mindy. Um, well, uh, I, I, I'm a technical engineer, trained as a technical engineer, as a human factors engineer. And um, I, after it didn't work with the space program, I started to do a variety of different jobs. First started the tech technical and then moved, uh, into, um, non-technical roles. Um, eventually the last role was a sustainability manager for one of the businesses. And, um, I ended up, uh, yeah. And then, then there was a, a big reorganization in 2010. And this was a big company, right? This was a big oil and gas company. You worked in the global headquarters. You had a big kind of oh, yeah, job. I, I you made that. lots yeah. of money. That's true. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. Can I say the company or do you don't? Sure. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, okay. It was Royal Dutch Shell anyway. So, um, yeah, so I had, it was, it was a great, great career um, opportunity for me to go to different places all over the world. I loved earning, you know, earning the money and me meeting people and traveling, but it, it still was not particularly um, fulfilling. And, um, you know, it was, I was going through the motions. I was doing a good job, but it wasn't, I felt like it wasn't what I was meant to be doing. Um, but yeah, there were these, um, there were these golden handcuffs that kept me there until they had this big reorganization uh, in 2010. 
and there was a chance for me to leave with some money. Whoops. And um, I mean, and the career counselor, and I said, I wanted to leave with money. <laughs> and the career counselor said, oh, guess what? There's also, we'll give you a training to help you secure your next job. What do you want to be? And I remember looking at the career counselor at the time and saying, okay, what I want to do now is become an astronaut. And the career counselor looked at me and said, come on, what do you really want to do? Uh, no joking. And, I'm, and I looked back and I said, no, this is really what I want to do. And I managed to convince him to send me away to this flight training school in the States where military pilots and commercial astronauts trained in a centrifuge to get used to the, the changing G-forces. And um, yeah, it, it was pretty cool. Okay. That's amazing. I love that. So it sounds like what your story is literally like everything on the outside was the path you were supposed to take, right? Graduate as an engineer, get your master's, work at the big oil and gas company, rise to leadership. But for some reason, there's something going on inside and it just was not aligned with what was happening. And then I love that you had the courage to follow this childhood dream. Can you tell me about like, was there any kind of pause or anything that was kind of going through your mind before you when they asked you that question that would have held you back what about going into the to going to the training or yeah um, or like just even telling them out loud that you want to be an astronaut oh yeah I mean you know this but this has been I'm so used to this that you know since I've been getting my PhD and uh, coming over to the Netherlands and telling people daring at that point when I was about 24 to tell people, yeah, I'm doing this because I want to become an astronaut. People looked at me like I had three heads and, you know, this was another guy enough, just another guy who looked at me that I had three heads. So, um, you know, I was so, you know, used to it at the same time, it hurt every single time people looked at me like I had three heads. So even, even though I knew it was more about them than about me, I still, yeah, I still felt like, why can't, people be happy for me or excited that I'm wanting to do something like this, you know, and then in the Netherlands, you know, there's, there's an expression, uh, do normal, uh, be normal because, um, because being normal is crazy enough. Right. And this is what people would say to me all the time. Like you want to be an astronaut. Okay. Be, you know, do normal, be normal. Like, what are you doing? And, and I, I would hear this a lot over and over and over because it's crazy enough just being normal. So just calm down, you know, and, and that's, you know, just that, I think if, if you listen to that and internalize that, um, it could break you, it really can. Um, and you, you know, you had to, or I had to develop sort of skills, um, a bit of a thick skin because, you know, it would happen a lot. People would say this a lot to me. Um, and it's funny until fairly recently when I was recently successful, then people are supporting me all of a sudden out of the blue. But, um, you know, people coming back and saying, oh, yeah, I knew you could do it. And I was thinking, really? Because you were the guy, one of the guys who were making fun of me when I told you that I wanted to become an astronaut. Um, so it's really interesting how people's perspective changed. But initially, I was really being held in, in that box um, from other people. And occasionally, you know, you know I would fight my way out and then they try to push me back in. So this career counselor, you told them you wanted to be an astronaut and they're like, OK, there is a astronaut training school in the states and we'll pay for it 
So tell me, so that's incredible. So kudos to that career counselor for supporting you and not (laughs) kind of going along the band, like not echoing the voice that you're so used to hearing. That is, I think that's pretty incredible that that person came into your life at that moment or that you were assigned to that career counselor of anyone you could have gotten, because I don't know if you would have gotten the same reaction from other people. Well, it's true. It's funny because I'm still sort of in touch with him via social media. And, you know, he said to me, you know, I have to admit, I thought it was really out there, but you just seem so passionate about it. I just, I thought I, you know, and you, you know, you sounded like you knew what you were talking about. Uh, so I, I couldn't refuse what your, what your request was, but I had a tough time justifying that to other people. So, uh, and then now he comes back and he says, you know, you, I talk about you all the time to my clients. Um, and so it's, yeah, I, I think I got lucky in that sense that um, he was open-minded enough, even though he kind of looked at me and said, come on, what do you really want to do? But um, yeah, he was open enough to send me to this, to this uh, school with a centrifuge. So tell me about what happened at the centrifuge school. Okay. Um, for those who don't know what centrifuges are, you know, people get inside of them, you get spun around and around and you can kind of learn what it feels like to have these changing G-forces. And, um, and you know, some people can panic and some people can throw up and some people can have, uh, can, you know, lose consciousness if they're not breathing in the right way. So you, you train in these things so that you don't do this, you know, in space. Um, and, you know, you can, you need to be exposed to do that. And I had a, I had this incredible experience inside the centrifuge Um because, you know, for me, it was like, I, I've, my, my life, I feel like, where have you been all my life, centrifuge? But there were other people who um, I took a training with that looked pretty much like um, they were being sick or and or um, panic, panic attack-ish, like a face like, oh, my God. Um, and it was interesting because we could see each other's faces going around and around. And I remember asking at the career, uh, sorry, at the training center, um, were there courses or trainings to help people um, mentally to stay calm for their space flight or only physically, which is the one we were doing. And they said, no, there was no, um, there was no physical, there was no mental training at that point. And I thought that's so strange that people are going, going to be going to space and don't have an opportunity to learn how to stay mentally calm and focused um, for their space flight. And so I thought that's something I could do. Um, with a little help from my friends and I created my business inner space training. Um, and that had the sole purpose initially of training commercial astronauts um, to stay calm and focused. Um, so yeah, it's been, uh, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. Um, you know, and, and since then it's, you know, people had said, Oh, this technique that you use to stay calm and focused. Uh, my cousin, you know, who gives talks can also use it. You know, why don't you give, training to non-astronauts too. And so, um, yeah, that's, that's also what I started to do. I opened up the training for, uh, you know, high-performing individuals and business executives um, and other people who were interested. Um, and inner space training has now like a branch for, um, for non-astronauts, um, but the tools are very similar. I'm so curious before we talk about, I want to back it up a little bit and talk about this concept of a commercial astronaut, because when you were a little girl dreaming about being an astronaut, that career path did not exist. Can you explain the difference between like the two kind of paths to being an astronaut that have kind of opened up recently? 
Sure. Um, yeah, the, the career commercial astronauts did not exist at all um, back, uh, you know, when I was applying to NASA when I was 24 years old. And um, it's just really, you know, since, you know, the last 10 years that you just started hearing about companies like Virgin Galactic or SpaceX, um, just to give two examples, um, but a, a commercial, a, a typical tourist flight, which hopefully will be coming in the next year. They keep saying this though, but um, because now with all the d- delays, um, things have been postponed, but a commercial, a typical commercial uh, space trip would be a 90 minute trip, nine zero, where um, let's say on a Virgin Galactic flight, you take off uh, from a spaceport, you go out, um, well, you're in a you're in a space plane that gets towed up to about fifty thousand feet. Mothership flies away. They um, release you, and then your rocket, your engines uh, get ignited, and you then get launched up all the way with three and a half G's, pulling down the blood out of your head into um, into space up to a hundred kilometers, and that's the that's called the Kármán line. So that's the place where people can call themselves officially an astronaut. And then the engines of the space uh, plane turn off as they go over the top of the uh, the apogee. And that's when you can take your seatbelts off and you'll have four minutes of weightlessness. And during those four minutes, some people are going to be, you know, everybody's got their fantasy. Um, some people want to do somersaults and other people maybe just want to look at the earth and have this transcendental kind of moment that many astronauts have. And then four minutes back are over, the bell rings, you're back in your seat, and then you're going six Gs with press, pressing down on your chest, feeling um, as into re-entry back into the Earth's atmosphere, landing back at the spaceport 90 minutes later, um, like a regular plane. Um, and that is, that's what a commercial space flight is compared to going to the space station, like these governmental astronauts that, um, go and they do research and they stay at, you know, usually more than a week up to maybe about a year. And, you know, and they're there, they're living there, they're eating, they're, you know, doing everything there. Um, And you have some time to occasionally look out of the window and that sort of stuff. So completely two different types of astronauts. One is like a fast and furious kind of astronaut where, you know, it really does pay to prepare um, because you only have 90 minutes and then it's over and it's going to be over, I think, before many people even realize it versus these other astronauts who, by the way, train train about two to three years before they get their mission to go into space. So I'm so curious. The stakes are so high for these commercial astronauts, right? Like you've paid all this money for this 90 minute experience. And how many minutes are you actually in space for? Well, for 90 minutes. Oh, you're not you're fully you're in space for 90 minutes. Well, uh, okay. So from the point of view that you get launched, which is, it's probably about a half an hour, a half an hour. So you're all this work up, all this money, all this anticipation for 30 minutes. So the stakes are so high. So tell me what you do to prepare someone so that they can have that optimal experience and really maximize that 30 minute window of time that they have. Um, well, we start because I'm focusing now on the mental aspects of getting them prepared for their mission. First is kind of to figure out what is their mission. Now, some people haven't totally thought about it. They might say, oh, yeah, I like to do a couple somersaults. But um, f- for me, it's important to know, you know, what is their mission? What is, what is success for them in space? You know, does that, are you happy 
if you can do two somersaults or are you happy if you're looking out of the window and the overview effect happens, this feeling of oneness with the universe, which doesn't always happen. Um, so what is success for you? And getting them to first understand sort of where they are in terms of, you know, things that are important to them, things that motivate them and, you know, what aspect of that is motivating them to want to make their mission in the first place. And then I try to help them think a little bit broader, whatever, wherever they are, I want them to think broader because, um, you know, I, you can maximize your chances for success. So for example, if you, um, you know, if you say, okay, I expect my mission to be, you know, first this, then that, then, then this, um, and it's got to be happening in this way. Um, there's a high chance that it won't happen in this way if you're so specific. And I call that like having an expectation. Um, but if you ask people um, to change that expectation into an intention, like, okay, my intention is to have some of this, some of that, some of this, um, and it can be, it can be fluid, it can be in, a, in another order than I anticipate, and everything is considered okay, if I hit, you know, on these points, and maybe there can be some other points I hadn't thought about before. And that could also be even better than I had expected. There's, your, there's what you're talking about, the difference between having an expectation or an intention. And attention is much more free-flowing, um, open to let the universe surprise you with things. And an expectation is kind of like putting you in that box and high chance of failure, in my opinion. So getting them to kind of expand their thinking on that is also really important. And then I give them tools to stay calm um, and focused in the moment. So how do you, you know, by using, for example have a mnemonic device that combines sort of um, a breathing exercise and kind of personal awareness of what's happening in their body and then what's happening um, outside in the spacecraft, how they can kind of take stock and go back in and, and stay calm. So it kind of keeps them in the moment, keeps them present. Um, yeah. And it keeps them calm. So those are a couple tools that are focused on how to do something like that. And then um, teaching them sort of the concept of, of also mental resilience um, and how they, you know, how they can uh, still manage to achieve their dream uh, in space, for example, even if somebody's foot is accidentally, you know, in their face or kicking them in the head or, you know, how do you, how do you deal with it when all of a sudden, you know, you, you're, you've got your own mission going, but now you're getting interference from people um, physically or, or otherwise. Um, and are you still going to be able to enjoy your trip? Because there's a high chance that someone's foot is going to be <laughs> in your face. Um, and you hope they don't kick you and so that you're completely knocked out, but you have to, you know, you, you need to learn how to deal with, you know, adversity that comes across your path and still stay focused and in the moment, because again, it's going to be over before you know it. So those are the sort of the aspects of um, what I'm teaching in inner space training. So I have a question about, cause you said the word adversity and, and conflict and when things don't go, go well, what can you do about it? So I just want to point out the obvious in that there are no commercial space flights going right now. And I, I feel like if you looked at it from the outside, it's like, okay, here's Mindy. She's like working on her dream of being a commercial astronaut. And there's this huge bump in the road along the way and this is why what I admire about you so much Mindy is that you're like 
all right, this is happening. Like, but I'm, I'm not going to give up on this dream. I'm going to keep going. And that's, what's created your business that you're working on today. Like now you've kind of spit, split it into two, like really, you're still helping those people prepare for that commercial flight, but then you're taking this, this skill set and teaching real people, business leaders, high achieving humans on earth, how to achieve, get ready for that high stakes moment. So can you just share with us what that looks like, what you do with people? Um, okay. Uh, well, I mean, we, because I have this, uh, the training, which is a bit modular, there are different, different types of aspects of that we could say, like if people want to focus on, for example, learning tools um, to kind of break down their mission into certain parts and then kind of understand what these sub what are the challenges, both mental and physical, um, for for doing each of these subparts? You know, we can focus on that, but that's one aspect. And there's another piece that um, that people can sort of learn. Um, let's say how to train their brain using uh, what we call use brainwave entrainment, which is a um, yeah, I don't know if anybody knows what that is, but it's 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 basically getting your brain waves to be in a meditative, calm, and focused mode and you can train um, your brain to do this ahead of time so um, you learn and there's there's a tech you know you can use it sort of like regular um, old school meditation or you can do like meditation on steroids using some neurofeedback tools that we offer as well um, and so uh, yeah it, it's it's an idea of you know there's, there's different modular pieces of the training that can be sort of um, taken all in one day, if you're going to be a commercial astronaut, or, you know, you can say, I'll do three hours here, or I'll learn these tools and techniques for learning how to stay calm and focused and how to call that up whenever I want to do that and sort of okay. and how to get into the flow and all of, and these aspects can be taught. And, you know, so if somebody from a company would say, Hey, you know, I want my, um, my managers to, we have an away day, you know, could you give us three hours and learning how to get into the flow um, and recognize that. Can you actually explain it, what flow means? Oh, um, well, it's, just quickly, just quickly. It's kind of, um, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's, it's basically you, you, everybody probably has recognized when they have been in flow because they've not thought about doing a particular task. Sometimes it just happens. Um, and it's not something, it's not the same as being on autopilot. It's not like driving a car and you don't realize how you've gotten from point A to B, but it's, 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 it's like you've, you're so well practiced with something um, that you're doing it and you're doing it um, uh, highly proficient and you're in the moment and you're completely aware of what you're doing, whether it's like a playing a musical instrument and all of a sudden, like I play the drums and, you know, and I'm playing the drums and I think like, wow, like if I start to think about it and say, wow, there's four limbs moving at the same time. All of a sudden I'm just like, wow. And then I spaz out. But if I'm not thinking about it and I'm in this sort of state um, that, you know, I'm just feeling the music and doing it, it it's just, it happens by itself and it, it's extremely um, pleasurable. So I'm sure everybody's has their own times where they can think of like, you know, they, they're in a flow um, and then you don't realize where does the time go? That's, that's how I would, so is that the kind of flow. mindset you want to be in for that 30 minute time when you're in space so that you can enjoy the moment and can be ready for whatever the universe 
literally brings you. Indeed. Um, it, um, and I would say the more you can do it, like it's not just the 30 minutes in space, the more you can be flow in the flow in regular everyday life, the better. But you need to kind of have a calm and focused mind at the same time or else you won't be able to get in the flow. So if you're stressed or if you're not fully, you know, kind of aware of your own breathing and body, it's hard to get in the flow. But I would say being in flow is a, is a great um, state to be in. If, and I would encourage you to be in it as much as you can, but it's, yeah. How do you be in flow on a daily basis? That's, that's an interesting question. You know, I have a question from the audience. So, and it goes back to, you said, um, it is what advice would Mindy give to, to us to stay calm and focus in day-to-day life? Cause you said, I think that's before you actually can get to the flow stage, you need to be calm and focused in your day-to-day. So from all of this training that you do with people to kind of set them up for this huge event, what can we kind of take back to our day-to-day to just help us stay calm and focused? Okay, I, if, if we want to have a two-minute space training lesson, um, I can, <laughs> yeah, should we, two minutes, should we, let me see in the, let me see if I can type in the chat the word. Uh, there, babusa. So babusa stands is a mnemonic device that I made up <laughs> to help people stay in the flow. And and later on, if you want, I can type this all out. But the first B is, and the second B is the breath. Um, and you know, if you can, the breath is sort of the link between the body and the mind. And we always forget about using it, um, but it grounds us. So if everybody just wants to take a deep breath in through their nose and holds it and blow out. Already starting to feel calmer just by doing that. Now, O stands for observe your surroundings. Um, maybe somebody around you next to you is disruptive or could potentially be a hazard to you or getting in the way. It's important to take stock of, you know, what's everybody doing um, around me? Okay. The second B again is another deep breath in and hold it and blow it out. Okay, U stands for understanding uh, where you are, um, let's say in the flight profile or understanding what's coming next and what do you need to mentally prepare for? So in the case of an astronaut, um, are they at launch? Are they gonna be at the weightlessness phase or are they at re-entry? Because each of these different stages in your mission, and this could be any mission that you're talking about, by the way, will have its own mental challenges or other kind or physical challenges or other kinds of challenges that you have to think like, oh yeah, this is the time where I could potentially be kicked in the head. I need to watch out for that. So that's the you of understanding. S means you're going back into your body to sense what's going on. Am I is my stomach a little bit nervous? Is my heart beating fast? How am I feeling? Oh, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling calm. Okay, great. Then what you want to do is you want to anchor that calm feeling. That's the A for anchor. And I use a trigger um, called uh, in NLP, Neuro Linguistic um, Programming, like I squeeze my thumb. And every time I go through babusa and take my breaths, and at the end, when I'm feeling calm, take a breath, squeeze my thumb. And the more I practice babusa and the more I squeeze my thumb practicing it, my body starts to learn that, hey, squeezing thumb means um, becoming more calm. And soon, and this is what we want to train with the commercial astronauts so that they don't have to do a whole round of babusa. They just squeeze their thumb, take a breath, and already their anxiety gets taken down a few notches. So 
that's, you know, something that everybody can do right now um, or anytime. Babusa, baby. So <laughs> that's, um, yeah, just, and, and, and it can be used just to help get you back on an even keel again. And even if you can't do the full babusa, just take a breath like that and, and feel the effects of the breath when you do that. That'll help. Amazing. I'm already feeling a lot calmer right now. Thank you for that, Mindy. So one thing that I really admire about you, Mindy, is this this ability to keep going, figure things out, pivot along the way, and not give up on your dream, like not lose sight of that thing that like, has been that dream that's been inside of you since you were a small child. And we like to end all of our interviews with one action that people can take within 24 hours after learning something new. So we've learned a lot. And my specific question is about like, if you have this dream and you may have lost sight of it, or maybe it feels like the world is against you. Like, I just, I can't imagine when every time when you said, I want to be an astronaut, when people just kind of slammed it and slammed it and slammed it and slammed it. So if you're, if you have one of these goals and you're like, I really want to keep going. And it just seems like there's block and block and block and block. What can people do to kind of get themselves back onto that train of just taking that step forward and not giving up? Where's the best place to start? I, for me, I always think childhood, you know, I always think going back to going, doing the things that you always loved um, and trying to remember that and, you know, really kind of absorb that. I mean, I remember as a kid, the idea of flying seemed so cool. And I just, you know, I would, I would climb a tree and I would jump out and I would count one, two, three, four, five, six, you know, how long it would take me to hit the ground. And I, every time I'd try to climb a little bit higher and to see if I can count up even higher, because that was what was fun. If I could, you know, the, the, the higher the number, the better it was. And yeah, for me, the idea of flying was something that I always felt like, it, you know, I had to do more and more with. And so that's where it started, really. I mean, aside from the six million dollar man, of course, but, <laughs> um, you know, what, what brings you joy? Where, you know, what, what are those things? And I think that gives a really good clue where, um, you know, where you should go back to. I love that. So go back to childhood, figure out what, like, just remember what brought you joy. So Mindy, where do people connect with you if they want to learn more about you and the work that you do? Um, Well, you can visit my website at uh, inner space training. That's one word, inner space training.com. And there people can find out more about what I'm doing. Um, And also you can check out if you want to read more about these types of techniques. I have a book called Blast Off, Train Like an Astronaut for Success on Earth. And that's also available on here, as well as on Amazon, if you're interested. Um, it's cheaper on Amazon, but I, my advantage is I sign it and I say nice things. And when I get to know who's, who wants the book, I always want to send a nice message. I love, so like you could get a personal inspirational message from Mindy, just helping you to get like achieve your dreams here on earth. So I love that. Thank you so much, Mindy, for spending this time with us today. I know I learned a lot. This has been such an incredible experience. Hi there. Before you go, I was wondering if I could ask you a huge favor. Can you click on iTunes and give the podcast a five-star review and also a comment? This would mean the world to me. It also helps us to spread the word about the podcast and attract higher profile guests. We want to be able to deliver thought leadership around diversity inclusion 
every single week and having more reviews on iTunes will help us to do that and help us to keep the show going for free for you. So please head to iTunes right now, give us a five-star review and leave us a comment. Thanks so much. Mm -hmm.